A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he was greatly perplexed because some were saying, John has been raised from the dead. Others were saying, Elijah has appeared. Still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. But Herod said, John I beheaded. Who then is this about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. The Gospel of the Lord. But the question that comes up, comes at this point out of Herod, and was coming out of a lot of people at the time, is who then is this Jesus? Who is he? They were very confused. Who is Jesus? They had experienced John the Baptist, and John the Baptist had a huge following. The, the, the scripture says everybody, and they, I think they mean it. It means everyone came out to see John the Baptist. He was the first prophet in over 400 years. Right? So he was a very renowned character. We see him in the Gospels kind of appearing and then kind of passing the baton to Jesus and, and, and vanishing. But to the people in Christ's day, he was of immense importance. And that John the Baptist was a typical prophet. He dressed like a prophet. He spoke like a prophet. He was dynamic and forceful and coming against sin. He was a very typical prophet. But then he passes the baton, as it were, to Jesus. And Jesus is not typical. He has friends who are tax collectors and prostitutes. And he sits down, he sits, spends a lot of time at dinner parties to read the Gospels. Jesus is often at a dinner party. He's drinking wine. If they run out of wine, he makes some more. You know, Jesus doesn't fit the mold. Who? But he's working all these miracles. And so this was a struggle with the people in Jesus' day, and we see this coming from Herod. Who is Jesus? Now, I think that's a valid question for us because there's a huge amount of confusion historically in Christendom and Christianity and outside of Christianity. Who is Jesus? Who then is Jesus? Now, one of the ways we kind of can monitor this is through art. Now, interestingly, some of the earliest depictions we have of Jesus in Greek catacombs picture Jesus like the god Apollo driving a chariot across the sky. In other words, they took, the, the, these early Christians took, they were Greeks, right? And they were raised in the, these mythologies and they took Jesus to be somehow the true Apollo. And they depicted him that way. Now you go a little later in, in uh, the Greek Christian history, and in like in Byzantium, and the iconography of the Greeks uh, during the Byzantine period, it's like, you know, 4th uh, century, 4th and 5th centuries, and Jesus is sitting on a throne, You've see, all seen this icon. It's called the Pantocrator. He is sitting on, the th on a throne. He is the emperor. Christ the emperor. 
And then we get into a later, we get into uh, medieval history and Christ becomes Christus Rex, Christ the King. Because their understanding of government and leadership is the head of everything is the king, so Jesus is the king. And so he's portrayed as Christus Rex, Christ the King. You get into American history, 19th century paintings of Jesus, uh, which were very popular. My grandmother had one, and uh, Cheryl's grandmother had one. It's hanging on our wall today. <laughs> and it's a 19th century picture, 19th century painting of Jesus. He's got long flowing hair, very soft features. And he is, uh, he is someone, I don't want to say effeminate is probably not a good word, but he's a very soft person. However, in the 1960s, all right, we talked to, we've talked occasionally about the Jesus People Movement, the Jesus Freak Movement in the 1960s and 70s, and portrayals of Jesus were very different, very manly, very strong, strong guy. Have you, have you ever seen Hook's Head of Christ? It's a picture of Jesus uh, as a very strong, jawed, firm man, like a, like a farm worker. And that's the way he was portrayed in the 1960s. But in a lot of the Jesus people movement, sometimes he was portrayed with psychedelic colors. Um, sometimes he was portrayed as the rebel. In fact, I remember seeing a wanted poster of Jesus. Ever see, anybody see the Jesus wanted? Oh, you look, you got to Google, you could probably find it. A wanted poster, Jesus was a rebel. And, you know, and, there, and all of these different depictions of Jesus have their own uh, their own source in the Gospels. You can see Jesus as a rebel. You can see Jesus as a king or emperor. You can see Jesus as God on earth. There are lots of ways to see Jesus. So who then is Jesus? It is sometimes difficult because all of us, in our own way, tend to project ourselves onto the person of Christ. We somehow see Jesus as some supersized version of us. Hence, the emperor, the king, the Apollo, or the rebel. I remember I was reading uh, the Gospels, and I was reading... Uh, the woes, the seven woes Jesus proclaims to the, to the Pharisees. You know that passage is, you know, woe to you Pharisees. You're like whitewashed tombs. You're, you're all clean on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Woe to you Pharisees. You lead the people, but you're just a brood of vipers, a brood of snakes. You know, there's these dreadful things that Jesus is saying. And I'm reading this passage, and it's a very difficult passage to read because it's somehow some seems out of character. And as I'm reading it, I, I sense the Holy Spirit leading me to understand it's all how we portray Jesus speaking it. Was he shouting at them in anger? Or was he proclaiming this through tears of agony of compassion? How were these words delivered? Who then is Jesus? Actually, after 
that little revelation. I wrote a short article for a, a magazine called Ministries Today. And um, about how do we portray Jesus? How do we see Jesus? Do we see him in his, you know, as always the stern figure? You remember the movie, The Greatest Story Ever Told? Jesus is pretty stern in that movie, isn't he? And every word that comes out of his mouth is very serious. Or do we see him laughing and, or, and crying? Kind of more like what we see in Jesus of the Chosen. We're very uh, affected by how we see Jesus portrayed in media, in cinema. And I wrote a little article about that. And I got a letter, interestingly, from an actor who had portrayed Jesus in a film called The Gospel According to St. Matthew. Have you ever seen that? The Gospel According to St. Matthew. Well, okay, I'll tell you, it's a difficult movie to watch because what they did is they took the entire Gospel of St. Matthew, word for word, King James Version, and they put actors into it. And so there's a narrator who's in the background. He says, and Jesus said... And then the actor portraying Jesus says it. And the crowd responded, and then the crowd says something. You know, so it, because they, they wanted to be word for word out of the Bible. And, um, but the actor who portrayed Jesus in that talked to me, wrote to me, about when he was portraying Jesus, he had the same experience to realize it's not so much the words, it's how they were delivered. And how he, could, how he felt inspired sometimes to be a very happy and laughing Jesus. And other times a very sad and weeping Jesus. In fact, one of the few extra biblical accounts we have of Jesus written by a Roman soldier. Who is riding back home to wherever he was from. And he says, he talks a lot about this man Jesus who's creating such a stir. And he says... All I know about him is that he's reported to cry a lot. He weeps a lot. And we can see a lot of the words of Jesus coming to us through tears. We hear him, we see him weeping. He's recorded to have wept a few times in scripture. But even more than that, to see his life is a life of compassion. That he doesn't denounce even the Pharisees in anger but in sadness. And those of us who have had children who have been less than perfect, and I know most of your kids have been perfect, but those of us who have had children who have been less than perfect and they, and they seem to stray again and again, and do we beat them or do we weep over them? Please, stop hurting yourself. And I think that in that little revelation I had on that, that passage of the woes, Jesus' woes to the Pharisees, I got a glimpse of that. Who then is Jesus? It's difficult for us to know because what we know about Jesus is so colored by what we've seen in cinema, by what we've heard from preachers, by what we learned in Sunday school, to get to the heart of who Jesus is is not a simple task. The only place to know who Jesus is is the Gospels. 
to absorb the Gospels, but to read the Gospels with understanding, we truly must set aside all of our own opinions, all of our agendas, and come under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit just to the words and actions of Jesus. We meet Jesus in the Gospels. We meet Jesus who at the age of 12 was wiser than any of the sages of his day. We meet Jesus who sees a widow burying her only son in Naim and moved with compassion raises him from the dead. We meet a Jesus who has brought a woman caught in the act of adultery and demanded, fulfill the law. God said through Moses, she has to be stoned to death. And he gives her compassion and mercy and says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And after they've all left, he says, where are those who condemn you? I, do, I don't condemn you. If we can set aside all of our opinions and agendas, all that we think is right and important, and discover Jesus from his words and from his actions, we will discover Jesus. It is so easy to lose sight of Jesus and even in the church, it is easy to lose sight of Jesus. That is why we have so many different religions in this, on this planet. Mohammedans who think that Jesus was just a prophet. We've got New Age people who think Jesus is, a, is some kind of a sage that keeps getting reincarnated. Like Confucius, Buddha, Jesus, all you know, it goes down the line. We have, even in, within Christianity, we have Protestants who largely see Jesus out of the epistles of Paul. <laughs> Interesting aside story. I knew a man who was the, uh, who was the uh, New Testament professor at the Dallas Baptist Bible College. Got fired because he was teaching the Gospels. They said, don't teach Jesus from the Gospels, only teach Jesus from the epistles of Paul. Because that's how they see Jesus. And even within our, within our own Catholic family, you know, the different factions there are within Catholicism because we want to see Jesus in our own way that supports our end of things, our understanding of things. To lay all of that aside and allow Jesus to speak for himself. Turn to the Gospels. Read the Gospels. Absorb what Jesus is saying. Take Jesus seriously. Please. I had a deacon. Oh my goodness gracious. He, I was used to let him preach once a month. And he remember him getting up to preach one Sunday and he said, Jesus taught us not to judge, but he didn't really mean it. Because <laughs> he was very judgmental. He had, he was one of these guys who thinks, well, this side, these, these are the real Catholics and these are the cafeteria Catholics, right? The real Catholics, cafeteria Catholics. 
So it was okay to judge you know, those who weren't in his group because Jesus really didn't mean it when he said don't judge others. Let the words of Jesus, let Jesus speak for himself in our lives. Listen to the words of the gospel. Pay attention. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us who Jesus truly is if we are willing to let go of who we want him to be and discover the real Jesus. So Herod's question, who then is this Jesus? Is one we should ask every day when we turn to the Gospels to meet him.